When you think about applying for a practice loan, do you think about speed and simplicity? Likely not. For many veterinarians, applying for business loans can be a long and fatiguing process. Luckily, the sponsor of the podcast, Provide Inc., has changed all that. Provide is a specialty lender to the veterinary industry. They're the only, and I mean only, fully online and digital lender in the veterinary space, which makes life easy. You know I go on and on, and I'm so pro-practice ownership. I cannot be happier to have Provide be a sponsor. Whether you're in Maine or California, Provide can help. They aren't going to require you to open your savings account or jump through some hoops to get some sort of relationship discount on your loan. They're simply just going to say, here's our rate, this is the process, and we're going to do a good job. Provide uses innovative software and technology coupled with excellent service and an industry experience to deliver something that's just more efficient. Even on very complicated transactions, Provide can make a decision on whether they're going to lend in a mere five to seven business days. As we all know, time is money and having those answers quickly matters. Provide offers financing for practice acquisitions, buy-ins or buy-outs, commercial real estate, refinancing, practice remodels, all that stuff. Anything that you have around financing for your veterinary clinic and your business, they can help you with. So when you think about it, you can pre-qualify in minutes with no effect on your credit score. That's a benefit as well. For more information, head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom. You'll see a hyperlink under the provide bio. That'll get you directly to where you can pre-qualify. You can do it on your couch. You can do it in 10 minutes or less. And if you do want to reach out directly to them, please let them know that I sent you. They'll take great care of you and they will be alongside you for one of the biggest purchases of your life and do a great job at it. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I'm joined by Tiffany White of Tip the Scales Consulting LLC and Snout ID. Tiffany has hands-on experience with brand strategy, business development, operations, and a lot of experience around all the facets of strategy to steer companies, products, and business lines. And name of the game is efficiency. And I've heard from a number of listeners around like practice management and efficiency. And so I felt like Tiffany would be an excellent person to come on and chat about that. So Tiffany, thank you so much for carving out some time and spending it with me. No worries. It's good to see you and talk to you today. Absolutely. So I want to kick things off and we'll go in a lot of different directions, but kind of stick probably to that theme. But if we get off on other tangents, so be it. That's what's the lovely thing about a longer format podcast. But you've done a lot of work in technology and the efficiency space within veterinary medicine. When you think about what are people missing? When you think about making a business run efficiently, is there anything that would be a good starting off point that you're like, this is the key thing that a lot of people miss? What I think is not necessarily missing in all practices, but is something that is overlooked in the majority of practices is really engaging the practice team, particularly with technology. So when you're talking about who's going to actually use the product and integrating a product that's intended for efficiency or to elevate some component of how the practice operates. Usually we're looking at an end user that is part of the support team. It's not going to be necessarily an associate veterinarian or the practice owner. It's going to be a CSR. It's going to be someone front of house. It's going to be a technician or an assistant. And so That's one of the things that is, I think, a focus for me has always been how to engage the end user in a product that, yes, if you employ it correctly, it's going to dramatically kind of change the way the the practice operates. But if you don't have someone that's going to be able to understand it and actually use it, it's kind of dead in the water. I think that's a great 
jumping off point to the idea around just staff utilization and also the struggles, I think, going on right now for practice owners, both those that are corporately owned, but also privately owned and finding quality team members, associate veterinarians. Can you talk a little bit about how you view maybe the impact of everything we've gone through in the past year with COVID and the ability to leverage your team, but also implement some of the technology tools that some people felt like they were pushed towards. Others were already trying to implement that pre-pandemic. I know there's a lot to unpack there, but I think that's just an interesting area to dive into. Yeah. I mean, we were already within the industry encountering issues pre-pandemic about the impact of the lack of both associate veterinarians and really any credentialed staff. So we were already in that constriction of staffing the veterinary practice. We all kind of came into last year, right around February, March, and there was a real fear that it was going to dramatically decrease the ability for practices to have clients, to have revenue and so forth. What we found was just the opposite. So you take a existing condition that is detrimental, which is a lack of staff, and then you add to it exponential growth within that practice for the majority of practices that we've spoken with. And then you have a situation where there is a whole new dynamic of how you actually get clients attended to, patients into the practice, and most of that fell within the practice team. So when you're talking about efficiencies, the efficiencies had to come from your support team. Whether, like I said before, the CSRs, the tech support team, the assistants, all of those were given additional tasks to adjust and adapt to the pandemic. And that was compounded by the fact that there was already some gaps within those teams to start with. So it becomes much more important to have, whether it be technology or operational structures, processes that allow for that support team to actually do their best work. So one of the things that we talk about a lot is how do you leverage their highest level skills and then offload what could be something that could be technology driven or something that could be done by someone else so that they can actually thrive within their skill set. The goal really is to leverage the support team's highest level skills. So not discounting what happens when you're doing paperwork or when you're actually doing charting, but in the time particularly of the pandemic, you want to have your team working at their most efficient pace. And if there is something that you can offload to technology, that is the kind of low-lying fruit. You can actually get something that helps you with that and allow the humans in the practice to interact with other humans and with those animals. And again, for the most part, most technicians, assistants, even the CSRs, they came into this practice to work with either the clients or the patients, and not necessarily all of the other busy work that has come up. We have temperature taking, you have to do questionnaires, you're running out to the car. There's a lot of things that have happened in the past year and a half that have changed the dynamic. But I think it has brought to light the fact that if you can use your staff and really triage their skills in the same way that you would potentially triage a patient, 
you can make the most of what they're really going to be engaged with. And again, offload whatever you can, whether it be technology or some type of outsourcing so that your team is supported so that they can kind of get to work. How do you suggest or think about trying to figure out the highest skill of each individual person? Is it just going directly to them and saying, hey, what do you feel like you can best provide and be part of the team? How do you kind of pull that out of those folks within the clinic or practice? Some of the best practices that I've worked with, so it's kind of a cliche, best practice and best practice. So some of the well-run practices, they do a combination of both. So it goes into you hire with a specific goal in mind and you have a job description. That should always be kind of your baseline. And when you're looking, whether it be a technician or an assistant or a CSR, that's your baseline. But there needs to be a constant communication and evaluation of kind of where their interests lie. And you can see that right away. You can see a veterinary technician that is very clinical, that has all of their skills on point, but maybe less interested in engaging with the client or so on and so forth. CSR, obviously you've hired them to be communicative, to be able to work with clients, work with people, but you can still see who is more extroverted, who has a more thoughtful approach to things, who asks more questions. And so those are the things that from a practice owner or a business owner standpoint, you want to observe those and capitalize on that. And so what I would say is when you say highest level skill is you're going to look at the job description and see how they tick those boxes first. But then what you're going to do is look at their personality and their natural skill set, their kind of evolving skill set within the practice, and then make sure that you're channeling them or gearing them towards something that's going to really engage them as an employee and as a kind of a long-term asset to the practice. I can just hear people's questions and what they're thinking, perhaps being, Tiffany, this sounds great. We're just so busy. We're slammed. How am I supposed to implement new technology, train people and build out processes that are clean without shutting down and turning away business? I know there's no like perfect answer like, oh, yeah, this is the end all be all. But thoughts around that? Yeah. So, I mean, from the standpoint of what I've done over the course of my entire career is having conversations and they were always relatively brief. So we're talking about having a 15 minute conversation, having a 30 minute conversation from a practice owner standpoint, you kind of equate that to an appointment time. So if you're willing to look at the time it takes for an appointment, but that is going to give you a kind of reward beyond that, you can kind of think of it in a way that, okay, I'm willing to take a appointment time or a training break or a lunch break and use this to engage my team. Those are the timeframes that we're talking about when you're actually, if it's the right technology, it shouldn't take more than that to get the team at least up to a baseline where they kind of understand it. There's always going to be support after the fact, and there should be a strong support system for talking about implementing anything. If it's more complex, obviously, this is something that would happen over the course of maybe one or two weeks or three or four weeks. But with a relatively simple process, you could have the team engaged within that 20 to 30 minute time frame and be able to really 
get them excited about whatever you might be introducing to the practice. And that's really essential. If they're going to be the end user, if you're talking about something for a practice owner where they're engaging in some type of financial planning or something along those lines, they can do that on their own time. They can ingest it and it's going to be very successful for them. When you're talking about a technology that the support team is going to be the front lines on, you have to engage them. And so what I would say is that you kind of look at it in that way. You say, okay, I'm going to take this chunk of time. You know, this appointment may have a value of a $200 or $250 invoice. But if I were to take that time and then look at it over the course of the next 6 to 12 to 18 months, how much is that going to impact our profitability and efficiency if I just take that time with my team? And you have to kind of look at it in that way where it's short-term, long-term or intermediate. There's near-term as well. But if you're not looking at it in that way, then it's a very myopic, nearsighted approach to anything that you're doing. You're really hustling, but you're not looking at how you can expand your business for the future. Absolutely. And I love equating that back to when you think about what's your time worth, but also spending the time now for that payoff in the future. It's the same idea of delayed gratification, think about compounding interest or investing. And, and you tie that into just doing that with your team. And it's like, wow, that can really make a huge impact. And we've talked about leveraging technology. Is there any good examples that you can think of as far as improving the user experience, both either from practice or from a client perspective that you've seen? And it can be recent, it can be an old story, just something that you feel like has really shown the power of going through this process? Well, because I've been around this game for a while, <laughs> I'll go back in time a bit. So in working with Healthy Pet, which became Think Pets, where we started was really simple. It was, we're going to help you send out reminders. So in the old days, and again, this is, again, I feel very old. You had someone on your team that was dedicated to printing reminders and making sure that they went to the post office and went out to get people back in the door. So going back to that day, providing that technology was such a time-saving efficiency for the practice, for both the staff time, as well as what that staff could then potentially do for the practice, as far as clients and owners and pets. So huge. It was a huge efficiency. And being able to communicate that and having that actually become something that worked really, really well within a practice, that's an example of how technology evolved over time. Taking just my career path, if you look at then what that evolved into, which is all of the marketing communications, the practice management reporting, all of that is something that has provided a huge value add to practices over the course of the last 20 years. And now as we're going into kind of the next phase of technology, you look at telemedicine, you look at even if we're talking about just some of the things that I'm doing with Snout ID, just the compliance and documentation forms and really getting updated client information in a digital format. So it's touchless. All of those things have really changed how practices can interact with their clients. And when we're talking about currently, the client base has really changed as well. Having been within the space for 20 plus years, you can see how certain clients have aged out 
And it's just as the natural way things work. But from the consumer standpoint, there is an expectation of an elevated experience. And if they don't get it, they will go somewhere else. So the idea of loyalty has changed. So loyalty used to be based on your town, your neighborhood, someone who gave you a reference. And then if you got that, you ticked off those boxes, you stuck with that company, that practice, that grocery store forever. Now, with the way things have evolved, if you're not getting the right level of service, you look elsewhere immediately. And that is just something that as a business owner, you have to contend with is that there is an expectation that if your needs are not met, there's not a second or third chance. You just look elsewhere. And so I think technology and providing that customer experience allows for a little bit more stickiness where you actually can keep people coming back in through your doors as opposed to just kind of saying, okay, you know, I'll go elsewhere. Yeah, I love that. The idea of loyalty changing because it is so easy to go look up information and find someone else that maybe is doing something similar. And you might feel as the owner of that practice that you're doing something very unique and you might be, but there could be a lapse in, again, the user experience communication or explaining why and how you do what you do. So there's a lot there to go into. How do you view technology as we kind of stick on this theme for now? impacting wellness. And I know that's like, it's a hot button issue in veterinary medicine. I mean, we've talked about in this podcast and it's been shared plenty of other places as well, but I think that's a unique angle as well. So how would you approach wellness utilizing technology? So the way that I go back to it is always, and this is something that was a concept that we developed earlier in my career was to equate pet parenthood to actually having children. And so when you are in the process, particularly of having your first child, from the minute you go into your obstetrician's office, they sign you up for a variety of different information that you're going to receive. And it's really intended to educate you on how to raise a child. And the goal, I think, now is to do, and it has been done through technology pretty effectively, is to treat that journey very similarly to a child. And I know that there's some debate about that, but at this point, when you have single or married couples that have decided that they're not going to have children, they're going to have pets, that we need to actually embrace it. And so you can use technology in a very, very similar way. So you're going to talk about that animal's life stage. You're going to talk about how to deal with a new puppy or kitten or any other animal that you're dealing with, how you should house them, what you should feed them, how you should care for them. And then you can drill down into even based on breed and species, different things of how you should deal with that new, essentially, baby in your house. And so I think technology really is at the forefront of that. Everybody's accustomed to getting those life stage emails, those life stage updates. They've joined groups about their children. And I think that technology allows the veterinary industry to do the same exact thing, except with pet parents. And they can do it in a way that a practice, if they're just seeing patients and clients on a routine basis, can't. And what that does for wellness is it allows that pet parent to see something on a regular basis and then be like, okay, now I know I need to go in 
at this time to make sure that my dog is vaccinated and evaluated for XYZ condition. And again, when you get to the point when you can use technology for if it's a German Shepherd versus a Beagle versus a domestic cat versus a purebred cat, you can look at how those things can actually drive people to come back into the practice. And it's not just for profitability. It's actually for the wellness of the pet because there's so much information, but it's technology that can get that information to the client. And the practice has a struggle in actually getting all of the depth of information about their animal to the client. That was fantastic because I think about that as a parent of an almost two-year-old now and going through all those classes with my wife because, again, when you have a kid, they're like, hey, sign up for this, go do this and the education around it and building out, again, almost we're talking about technology, but it's truly good marketing doesn't feel like marketing. It just feels like education. So if you build good education and leverage technology, you can take that one-to-one conversation that you might have with that client in the exam room and make it one to many where you're taking the same conversations you've had over and over and over again and putting your face and putting, whether it's a video, whether it's whatever, and getting it one to many so you can have that out into the marketplace. And then you're gonna have better educated clients that come in and you can have those maybe more detailed conversations. And I think that to me is a wonderful spot to be in, to have better trained, if you want to use that term, people coming in the door that understand what's going on and are also a lot more apt to say yes to treatment planning and understanding why things are super important versus it feeling where it's maybe more combative. But going back to that just a second, is there any technology that you've seen that has been utilized for that kind of idea that you like? And maybe that's more of a marketing thing and we can just leave that there and I can pick it up with someone when we talk about marketing, but I love that idea. Now, there's a lot of technology in this space that I've seen that does a really good job in the sense of like what you said, the one to many. I could name off a couple of companies, but what I would say as opposed to that is anyone that's doing kind of the end-to-end client journey. So you're talking about they're sending reminders and they're using specific messaging that is customized within those reminders. They could be doing appointment confirmations, appointment scheduling. Again, within those subsets, they're specialized to the client and the pet. So they're looking at what is the breed? What is the species? They're looking at the age of the pet if they can. So from the marketing standpoint, I would say any time you can drill down into some of those, and it's not a hard thing to do to get into the data and actually drill down to those top level things. So breed, species, age, there you go. If you're then able to communicate based on that and talk about what is required for that pet as they come in through the door, you've already primed that client. They know a little bit more and they're ready for whatever conversation you may have. Secondary to that, any of these initiatives, so if you do employ a marketing technology that is looking at some of these things, get the team involved, have them read through all of the copy, have them look at every single piece of information that's going out and weigh in on it. And what that does is it allows them to then say, okay, I can then jump, this is my jumping off point. When they come in the door, I know that they've already read XYZ, they know this and this. 
And then I'm going to take a deeper dive into some of the topics that you can't necessarily communicate in an email or a text message or via video. So that's what I would say without going into, there's a lot of really good companies in the space and I've worked with a lot of them. And honestly, I think that there's overlap. However, a practice can find kind of their sweet spot and there's enough of a pie that everyone kind of can have a piece of it, but you really have to see if they can get into at least a couple of different levels of the data so that you can get those messages more targeted to the client. Yeah, the idea of having a very detailed process and then you can customize the advice when they come in, but it's very much you standardize kind of what's going out and then it's customized when you actually see them and you get to that one-on-one. Again, I love that. You know, I've seen some of the most well-run practices. They have weekly leadership meetings where they speak to the entire team. They take one or two hours a week. They take it off the books. They meet with their team. They go through a variety of best practices. A lot of it is focused on the clinical. So they do training with the team, the new members of the team. They're actually doing hands-on with whether it be animals or really, really training. But then they also take a segment and it's not just a throwaway. It's not just like a lunch and learn. It's not something where it's optional, where they focus on the business aspects of the practice. And a big part of that is any of the new, whether it be marketing, technology, or any other initiatives, and really take the time to educate the team on that. And I think that that is indispensable. It goes back to what we spoke about previously. It's like you invest a little bit of time on a week-to-week basis, and it really has a big payoff. So that's one of the other things when we're talking about the marketing or the communication aspect, if you can engage the team so that they truly understand it, you can't just throw a one pager or a detailer at them and say, okay, talk about this to a client in the exam room, particularly not now if there isn't an exam room and they're sitting in their car, it's just not going to happen. So that's another thing that I would strongly encourage is that if there is an initiative within the practice, until the team gets really, really comfortable with it, you continue to train with them until they get to the point where they are confident, they can speak about it. And there's also this aspect of give them their motivation. So it's not just like, okay, you have to say this. It's you have to say this because, because could be anything. It's going to improve this patient's outcome, or it's going to make the client more at ease and better able to communicate with our team, or it's going to make, if a practice spiffs them on certain procedures, it's going to make you more commission or money at the end of the month. You always have to go into it with a, this is kind of what we're going to do. And this is what your motivation is around why we're doing it. And each person, going back to the idea of leveraging the highest level skills, they are going to have their own version of why. For some, it might be, hey, they are going to be definitely driven by the extra little bump or the bonus or little thing that's out there, the ability for them to earn more. For others, it is the quality of care. That's they are so passionate. So you need to understand as the owner, the practice manager, whoever's having these conversations, what is driving that person. So Isaiah might think about it one way and Tiffany thinks about it another way. You don't necessarily have to communicate the same to everyone because that's not going to be effective. And so I think that's a really important piece. But what you just said is, yeah, fantastic. Thinking about 
and maybe this is the harder transition away from technology, but I think one of the other really cool things that you've done over your career, and you made the joke that you're old, and I wouldn't say that. I would say you have a lot of really great experience around doing some things and seeing it from a lot of different angles, which is why this conversation has been excellent. But growth and preparation for companies that are scaling and growing and not necessarily just clinical, right? You've done some other things in other spaces, but I think it's definitely applicable to seeing some of these clinics that are busting at the seams or wanting to grow, but like just stuck. So how do you start to view a business uh, practice that is like, we want to grow? What are those like toughest tasks for them to start taking on when it just seems really overwhelming and you just feel like there's no time for that, but you want to do these things? Yeah. So if you're looking at a practice that is, uh, you know, is, and we've encountered a lot of them that stop taking new clients, again, they take a step back. They, they, they essentially kind of stop in their tracks is taking the time to do kind of an evaluation of where you want to be and what it's going to take to get there. And we all kind of encounter this, like when you're in the grind, you just keep churning, you just keep grinding it out and you stop being thoughtful and reflective of where you want to be. So the first thing that I would say is take a step back and evaluate where do you want to be? Like, what do you want this business to look like? And it's taking a roadmap from just a traditional kind of corporate environment, which is if you work in a corporate environment, you are tasked with looking at your six month, 12 month, 18 month, 24 month plan. So that is really kind of the groundwork for any business, small or large, is to start looking at where do you want to be in six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. And when you're looking at practices, it's very rare for them to do that. The next thing that I would say is that develop some type of, even if it's just a rough concept of that plan, literally very, very rough. The next step is look at your financials. Really look at them really get the financial house in order. And again, this is a step away from the practice team or technology, but just from a practice owner standpoint, you want to get your financial house in order. You want to have a monthly financial statement that tells you the state of your business so that you can reach the goals and measure those goals once you set them. Taking another detour is get your practice management system in order. Make sure that you are on a standardized chart of accounts. Make sure that you actually are using all of the codes within your system appropriately, that they have been cohesive and standardized to whatever level you can do so. And then from that point, taking it forward, you want to then look at how you can look at the HR, human resources standpoint of your practice evaluating each member of the team for their level of skill and efficiency, and then looking at how you can grow those skills. It's kind of basic stuff. Like you really just want to make sure that the team has the learning and talent available to them. But then you also want to make sure that you're efficiently looking at how the team works together. So I mean, that's a big question, but it is a big question. The starting point is really basic is you have to treat it as a business first, develop your goals, manage your financial house, and then you manage your talent. What haven't I asked about that's important to understand in kind of your worldview and where you sit within kind of the veterinary landscape? Is there anything that 
we haven't maybe touched on yet that you feel like is really important to get out there? The only thing that I would say is that every company that I've worked with, thankfully, and the reason that I stayed within the veterinary industry, so that's not where I started, I kind of landed into it happenstance, is because whether it be from the technology standpoint or from business development or practice management consultation, you name it, nothing that is presented is snake oil. So when you're selling something within the veterinary industry, it is going to have an end result where that pet has a better quality of life. And that has always really resonated with me is the fact that any of these little tweaks, any technology you add, any of the efficiencies, how you inspire the support team or the practice owner, at the end of the day, the result is that there is going to be an animal that has a better standard of life and a better quality of life. And then you kind of drill back from that, which means that that pet owner has that engagement and there's no price you can put on that. And so that's where my incentive and my motivation within this industry has always been that I can go into any company and sell these products and feel good at the end of the day because the end result is going to be that there is, you know, one of God's creatures that has a better quality of life. There's not a lot of industries you can say that about. I would agree with that. And going back to what we talked about as far as engaging with your team and figuring out kind of their why, you just gave a really good example of yours for why you do what you do. Obviously, there's other things that need to happen, but at the end of the day, there's a drive and a passion for what you do and staying within the industry. So thank you for sharing that. I do close and I probably didn't prompt you. I have started not doing this as well as I should. I always ask someone if they have questions for me, if they're a guest in the show, if there's anything they want to know, random, direct, anything. Is there any question top of mind that you'd like to ask? And if I don't know, I'll just say I don't know. But So what is your why? Great question. I think I go back to, you know, everyone's probably seen that Simon Sinek start with why. And for me, it all started, and I've shared the story a couple times, but it was a personal relationship and it was within the world of dentistry, but it was trying to figure out how to help someone that I knew growing up. Small rural high school, he was really the first one from his family that was ever really going to make any money. Didn't come from money, had a lot of questions. And then for me, it was just going on a path to figure out who could I put around him to make sure that he was successful. And then through that process and that journey of those other professional partners that are fantastic people, and that was all very local localized here in Indiana. But there's a lot of people that said, hey, what about working with, within veterinary medicine? And as I got to know more about what was happening, there's a lot of overlap between the two industries. And you talked about like staff utilization. And I've shared that before, like looking at you have your RVT and you have a dental hygienist in this, the compensation between those two is massive, but they should be serving a similar role. And there's a lot that a dentist looks at and offloads. They're scheduled to make the people around them be more efficient to drive that business forward, right or wrong. And I think veterinary medicine can look at that and continue to develop because you have a, so much talent that's out there that I think it, when unleashed, will do some cool things. And that's coming and that's happening. And I think technology, as we talked about, will improve that. But my why has been veterinary medicine for a long time has been told. And I just had a conversation this morning with a veterinary student that's going into his third year. Fantastic. But he gets told all the time that was told straight up, do not go into this profession from veterinarians because you're going to come up with a lot of debt. The opportunities aren't there. You can't be a practice anymore. And it's all BS, candidly, like it is. And I don't like the fact that there are people within an industry telling 
young people that are excited about coming in and making a change that they can't do it. So for me, it's like one of the biggest challenges, and I hear it in this podcast has been a blessing from that standpoint, when the mic is off and it's just a conversation after I record with people, the stories that come out, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish we could record that. But it is very sensitive and personal that sometimes it just doesn't make sense to share that. But what I hear is there are a ton of people that care a lot in this industry, which is fantastic. And I love it. They're people that care. They're fun to work with. They're nice people. They mean well. And if you can take that financial burden off of their plate and unleash them to go do good things and not be so stressed out about that, that's my why is freeing them up to go crush it, doing the things they want to do and be able to feel empowered to say, I don't have to stay at this role that's awful and the team's terrible and I'm treated bad, but there are so many other opportunities outside of there. So for me, it's trying to solve one of the issues that's in veterinary medicine. I can't solve all of them. Part of this podcast is also to share and bring on people like you that have a skill set and a knowledge base that is totally not Isaiah's, but share that with someone because they're going to pull different things away from it. So it's trying to solve and make veterinary medicine a better place for veterinarians to be able to have long, sustainable careers. And if I can do my small little part around helping take care of some of the financial things and ask good questions and share stories from other people in the industry that are doing great work, I think that's it. That's the why. So it's a really long answer, but. That's perfect. I'm, I mean, I've had uh, pivotal moments within my career where I could have taken my skill set to other industries and always came back because it's exactly what you said. Like there's opportunity there and there's a heart within the industry that just is undeniable. And if we can make it a better experience for people that this is their, because they're going to want to be there regardless. So whether they're a veterinarian or they're in a rescue or I have children that are obsessed with animals, like all they want to do is become veterinarians because they love their critters. If we can make that a better path for them, that's the goal. That's perfect. And part of the reason why I love asking that question is because ultimately it comes back and there's another thing that someone can share because it's not necessarily about what Isaiah has to say. Because a lot of people, if they listen regularly, know kind of what I stand for, what I say, but you sharing that and understanding as a parent, making sure that your kids can go into a profession that is going to be a fantastic experience for them over time. Yes, there's no job that's perfect. And everyone knows that you're going to always work with people that are jerks or clients that are jerks, or there's going to be situations where it's not fun, but you don't want someone going into a profession that is known for being really detrimental to their health, to all these other issues that get exposed. It's just like, that's not okay. And no one has the answer, but we can continue to work as a team and a community within veterinary medicine, try to make it better. And that's fantastic. So I greatly, greatly appreciate you sharing that. For those people that are wanting to connect or learn more how do they get a hold of you? Where would you send them? What does that look like? Yeah, I would definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the best point of contact. It goes straight to me. You can also reach out to me. I am at Tiffany at tipsofscales.com. But again, LinkedIn is usually the best avenue because I have it connected to all my profiles. I have my hand in a number of different endeavors. So that would definitely be the best way. Yep, absolutely. And I'll make sure that all is linked in the show notes. That way it makes it easy for people to connect with you. But thank you so much for spending the time and sharing your experience, knowledge and wisdom, and just, I think, sound advice. So thank you, Tiffany, for coming on. That was awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. 
All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.